So I think the church needs to kind of get back to this simple, I want to love God with all that I am. I want the cross of Jesus Christ to shape my identity and our collective identity. And then we want to move through the world, cruciform shape, loving people as Jesus loved us, living self-sacrificially, living humbly, living uh, hopefully and joyfully, being you know the hands and feet of Jesus, so to speak, in the world as we're inspired by the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the special Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio, featuring Pastor Daniel Fusco and host Billy Hallowell. Each week we share a conversation between Daniel and Billy, and sometimes a special guest will join in. Have you ever gotten so far off track that the only chance of making things right is to simply go back to the beginning? As Pastor Daniel and host Billy share in their conversation today, we sometimes need to check and make sure that we haven't drifted too far from focusing on loving God and then others. Now here's Daniel and Billy with the special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Now you talk about the generation in which we live, the overriding God little g, you know, of our, of our generation is the self. So most people are living inward, outward, and upward, just like the Garden of Eden. I mean, this is like what our Bible is actually teaching us. And so, so what I always like to tell people is that if you, if you are your God, little g, you're, if you are your upward, it's very disconcerting when you realize everything doesn't revolve around you. <laughs> right. And so like, in, in like we talk about our, the, the generation in which we live and it's not just the younger generation, it's all, but it's like the entitlement generation. It, it's, it's essentially entitlement is everything's supposed to revolve around me. Mm. And, yeah. and, and, and that's why it's so filled with anxiety, uh, depression is because everything doesn't revolve around what, uh, around me or you. It's like everything, God, everything revolves around the Lord and we get to play a part in it. But until someone comes to that understanding, then it, it is going to be disconcerting because nobody exists. Like, like before I got saved, I thought that everybody exists to make me happy. Everyone mm-hmm. exists to do what I wanted them to do for me. And if they didn't do it, I got rid of them because it's like, you, you're not giving me what I want. When I came to know Jesus, I realized how prideful and I'm still learning it every day, how, how entitled I am. And, but, but really what happens is, is, and I think what the church needs to do is the church needs to realize that we need to truly live upward, inward, and outward. We need to love God and receive his love. We need to let God form our identities. And then we need to go love people the way Jesus did. And I think the church's biggest struggle is that in a lot of ways, we, we're not doing the ba- basic things that Jesus talked about, although we say we are. <laughs> because, you know, like Jesus, like you take the example of John chapter eight, there was a woman caught in the act of adultery, right? And according to the Jewish law, the Mosaic law, she should have been killed. And they're like, well, you know, we, she was caught in the act of adultery. But what did Jesus ever throw a stone at her? No, the story is he just sits there and he's writing on the ground and all he says one sentence, let, let the person who's without sin cast the first stone. Right. And it says in John's gospel that from the oldest person to the youngest, everyone started leaving. So the oldest people left first. So <laughs> Jesus asked a probing question. The people been around who had the most data about their own failings left first. And all that's left is Jesus and this woman. 
And then, and then Jesus is like, Hey, where are these accusers of yours? And they're like, they've left. And Jesus, he's like, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Now, what I love about Jesus is, is like, he advocates for her. He protects her, right? When all the accusers are gone, then he says, listen, what you were doing, you shouldn't do that anymore. That dishonored God, but now go and live free, you know? And it's like, it's so powerful because for the church, the church is well known for condemning lots of people with lots of different lifestyle choices, which is actually the direct antithesis of what Jesus did in John chapter eight. Jesus didn't agree with her adultery. You know, Jesus didn't agree with the fact that they only brought the woman. You know, it's like the, if she was in the back, where's the guy? Like it takes two to tango. But Jesus didn't address any of that because Jesus knew that there was something greater than their mistake. Jesus was saw the potential and the redemption that he wanted to bring. So I think the church needs to kind of get back to this simple, I want to love God with all that I am. I want the cross of Jesus Christ to shape my identity and our collective identity. And then we want to move through the world, cruciform shape, loving people as Jesus loved us, living self-sacrificially, living humbly, living uh, hopefully and joyfully, being you know the hands and feet of Jesus, so to speak, in the world as we're inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's so interesting too. I know there's a lot of commentary on what you know. What was Jesus writing? Was he writing their sins out? Was he writing? You know, was right. he was he mapping that out? Which I think would be hilarious and amazing um, if he was. I'd be a dictionary, bro. It'd be hard <laughs> like an encyclopedia, you know. <laughs> exactly. And they're just walking away as he's writing them out. But yeah, you know, there there seems to be so much judgment on one side, and and that doesn't mean you don't have standards, right? You you have biblical standards. You teach them to people, but on one swing, you've got people condemning and judging. And on the other swing, you have people saying, you know, oh, don't worry about it. You know, you do whatever you want. You're the only thing that matters. Your truth is the only truth that's out there. And, you know, those people are kind of like never hearing those words go and sin no more. That's just never part of what goes on. And so you have these two swings or two parallel, I guess not parallel, they're on opposite ends, perspectives on how this should be handled. But what you're describing is very much that truth and love mix. And talk to me about how you then cultivate a God-breathed life. What does that look like? And there are people now who maybe they're in one of those, you know, they're on this end or the other end. How can you help them? What can you tell us that would help them sort of move towards that place of finding that balance? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a couple of things. I'm, one of the things I think is really important, I tell people this all the time, is that it's the downside of a kind of social media because in a lot of ways, it's, you know, Jesus was able to, you know, we don't know the story of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, but we do know that she connected with Jesus. And so the church often wants to apply godly standards to ungodly people, which actually never really works. You know, it's like somebody has to want, like when I came to know Jesus when I was 21 years old, then I desired to, to, to walk with him and please him. And he's changed my heart, you know, in the process. And so you really can't expect, you know, holiness from people who haven't gotten the holiness of Jesus shared with them through faith in Jesus. So that's one. So, you know, a lot of the stuff needs to happen through real relationships and not just kind of, you know, shouting at each other over, you know, the, the internet space, the, the, the cyberspace. So, but this idea of a God breathed uh, way of living, obviously, you know, that's what, one of the phrases that gets used in the scriptures for the scriptures. It's, you know, God breathed. And, and the idea for me is that, you know, God wants, you know, by his spirit, the spirit filled life is the God breathed life, that it's the new life that happens when a person is born again. And I think for all of us, 
every single day, Jesus is inviting us. It's an invitation from Jesus to, I like to say, we simply respond to Jesus where, where in the circumstances we find ourselves and like with our kids, something's going on and, you know, and the kids are crazy. They don't think they're crazy. They're just being kids. But us adults <laughs> like, man, they're crazy. You know, how we respond, like Jesus is inviting us to love our kids to lead our kids. He isn't really inviting us to just kind of blow up at them because they're happy and we're stressed out. And I have so, failed there many times. I know a lot of people. Have. Yeah. yeah like a lot of people listening have. have. You, you like, you mean well, okay, please stop, please stop. And by like the 15th time, you just, you snap and you're like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And that's hard. That's hard. But I, exactly what you're saying, like having that ability to and also finding that peace and remembering that responsibility. I think those are really important things. Not to go off on a tangent, but the kid thing got me because even during this pandemic, I know a lot of parents have complained about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, everyone thought, you know, man, I don't know what those teachers do all day long. And now all of a sudden, they're like, man, <laughs> teachers are the best, you know, like, like I want them back. And, and and I think what goes on is like, but even like the God-breathed life is, is it doesn't mean that we never fail. Like, what do we do when we fail? Like, so like, like with my kids, like, so my oldest is 15, you know, and, and for my son, Obadiah, his entire life, things have gone on where I'd be like, you know, buddy, I'm so sorry. I didn't handle that well, you know, so I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And will you pray for me? And he always says, dad, I absolutely, I forgive you. I know God's not done with you yet because like, literally when I fail, I'm like, look, God's not done with me yet. Like that was not, you didn't deserve that. That was me and my brokenness. Like by that idea of confessing your sins and seeking forgiveness. Like as a parent, I do that with my kids. I don't want my kids to think that I think I'm perfect because I'm not. I'm like the only perfect person I know is Jesus. And that's why I believe in him. And so like the God breathed life is also like there, we know what we're trying to do and we know the, the goals that we have and the standards of how we want to live. But even when we fail, the way we handle our failures is also part of the God breathed life. And like when somebody does something wrong and they own that and say, listen, I'm so sorry. That was not what I was trying. Like, that's not the what I'm trying to get done, but that's what happened. That's where I'm at today. Will you forgive me? You know, I'm so sorry if I hurt you. Like those words just don't happen very often in our day and age. And I think the church should really be leading out on the, we are not perfect. We follow a perfect savior and we're in process right now. And that's why I like to say that life is an invitation. Like what I did yesterday good and bad, that's over. Today's an invitation from Jesus to live empowered by his spirit in a new way today. Well, and what you just said is really interesting because I do think that this idea, and obviously pastors have failings. Pastors are human beings, right? But when a pastor has a public failing, so many people, their faith is so rocked and shaken. And I understand it to a degree, but I think we also have to remember that we can't put our faith in other people, right? I mean, other people are going to fail us and and human beings are going to fail us. And so while it's our job to be like Christ, to attempt to be like Christ, to work hard, when we make a mistake, owning that mistake, understanding that. I love that you talk to your kid about your kid about that. I mean, I've been trying to do that with my, with my eight-year-old, just being like, you know what? I shouldn't have yelled or I shouldn't have raised my voice. I apologize. And letting them know that it's okay to not be perfect, not that we should strive to not be perfect, but that we are going to make mistakes. And I think parenting has, has evolved in some ways. I think there was a time when, and maybe some parents still do this, where you don't show your kids that side of making a mistake. And you say, I'm the authority figure. I never make a mistake. Well, we all do, and we need to make sure that we're teaching them that when they make it, they need to own up to it. 
Like my kid lied to me yesterday. She's, she was going to say something. She started to say it and she didn't admit what it was going to be. And I knew what it was. And, you know, we had a conversation about it after and she apologized. And I said, listen, we're going to make mistakes. Right. And so we have to have that conversation. But I think also, and this is sort of a separate piece of this, but the way we deal with other people, I mean, we often in, in just like the tribalism of the chaos of politics and division and, and everything, we, we tend to look at other people as the problem, right? And, you know, oh, well, it's that group of people or it's this person over here. And I don't know. I, and I think it's because I've been working on this book about evil, which, you know, we've talked about. And, and my mindset has really been looking at sort of Ephesians 6 and the idea that there's so much more going on. You know, we tend to get caught up in the here and now and the flesh and the blood and the other people, but that there's really a spiritual battle that's going on and we need to be equipped for that and we need to be living the right way so that we can process through that. And that includes how we interact with, with other people, right? Absolutely. And like in a lot of ways, that's why like the having the upward, inward and outward in the right order is important because I always like to say that as a follower of Jesus, every problem I have is a gospel problem. Not that the problem is the gospel. It's just that my struggle is to be able to walk out the reality of the gospel. Now, if the gospel is that God is perfect and I am not, and because of that, there is a, an enmity there. We, you know, me and God are enemies because God is perfect and I am imperfect and I am, I'm offensive to God. And God sends his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for my sins so that I can now be united, brought reconciled to God. You know, that's the gospel, right? And so if I get the upward right, it means that I am redeemed and I am a child of God, but I am still fatally flawed so much that Jesus needed to die on a cross for my sins. Right. So like that whole, like everyone else is the problem. That's also as old as the garden of Eden. Remember when Adam and Eve ate of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, God came and Adam's like, it's your fault, Lord. Cause you gave me this woman. The woman was like, I got tempted by the serpent and because there was no one else there. The serpent was stuck, you know, holding the hot potato, so to speak. Everyone blamed each other. So when the blame, the blame game is as old as the, as, as the garden of Eden. So the, the whole idea, like everyone else is the problem. Actually, if you read your Bible, like the Apostle Paul at the end of uh, Romans chapter seven, he really pretty much says, my problem is me. And I yeah. like to tell people, my problem is me. Your problem is you now, because I have my own problems and you have your own problems. You put us together. We got infinite. We have a multiplicity of problems, but really the whole, like, I'm upset at life because of you. No, you're upset at life because you have your own failings. The other person has their own failings. But again, if, if you are the center if the inward is the driver, then because everything's about you, what you want, what you believe, anyone who doesn't believe that is an enemy and should be attacked. Yeah. And it's just, it's not, I mean, this is not sustainable for humanity. We, we see this. It's not something that we can, now we also know, and this is a whole other podcast conversation that, you know, there, there are very specific views about eschatology and where things are going to go. And people have all sorts of different theories. We obviously don't know the day or the hour. We have no idea if what's happening now has anything to do with that. But the fact of the matter is, whether it's related to what Jesus was specifically talking about or it's just a symptom of a broader current problem, people's love has has grown cold. I mean, there's a lot of that. And we, to me, and I have fallen prey to this too, it, it's a distraction from the upward, the inward, and then the outward. It's you know, We get distracted by all these battles and then we forget what our main goal is. What are we supposed to be doing here? 
why are we here right now? What what has Jesus tasked us with with doing? And so we can get so caught up in that. I feel like that it just it, it almost destroys if we allow it our actual mission and even our even our witness, which I think is unfortunate. That's why I wrote the book up. We're doing it. I wanted a manual for myself. Because I realize that life is super distracting and it's like, it's never not going to be. And it's one of the easiest ways that the enemy of our souls, of God, of our, of humanity can actually work in our lives by getting our eyes off of the most important things. And that's why when they came to Jesus said, what's the most important commandment? Like all these laws, 613 laws, like it's like the IRS tax code. It's like, there's just a million <laughs> laws. Like who knows all the Which laws? Which actually might be longer. Than <laughs> it, might, it might be, you know? And Jesus is like, no, no. If you need to break, if you break this all down, everything hangs on this, Yeah, you know, and don't miss the fact that it's not just upward, inward and outward, but it's like, I like to say the art of living is loving. It's loving God and then loving your neighbor as you love yourself. So it's this self-sacrificial love in all three directions. And one of the things I love about being a follower of Jesus is that self-sacrificial love, the Greek word is agape. It, it is the, the defining characteristic of the follower of Jesus. And so in every situation, if I'm struggling to love somebody outward, I know that I can back up and say, okay, Lord, let me remember your love for me. And let me let your love for me through the cross of Jesus Christ define who I am. And then when I let that happen, then it's like, there's no reason not to love another person. Like, even if I radically disagree with them, even if I, if I, if everything they stand for is the exact opposite of what I believe is the will of God, I can still love them because my wrath never produces the righteousness of God, but it's the goodness of the Lord that leads someone to repentance. That's what the apostle Paul said. And I want to be a vehicle for God's love and goodness to reach that person. So I might say, look, I respect you as a person and I respect your your ability to have the opinion. I don't agree with you, but can we talk about our disagreement so I can understand more? Yeah. That's so much different than just being like, I don't like you. And you call them whatever names are the, are the, are the in fashion names of the day. You, you, you just dispense of all of that because it's, it's not fruitful. I'm laughing because I'm thinking of some of these names and it's just like, they're so, it's so ridiculous. Right. But, but you know, yeah. I mean, it, it's what you're saying is what we need to be doing. It's convicting to me too. I think I think it's it's so important, and I love that the upward, the inward, the outward. If people, so if people want to pick this book up, because I think what we're talking about is so key, it's so core to just the human experience, and outside of that, where we are right now in 2020. Uh, but where where can people do that? Where can they grab copies of that? Well, you know, wherever you like to buy your books, uh, you can get a copy of it there. And so it's, you know, it's online. I also, I also read the book for the audio book. So, if, you know, if you just really dig my voice and, and you want to hear the author read the audio book of it, but like, and, and I'm not saying I didn't write the book because I got it all together. I literally wrote the book because I'm like, if Jesus, who is the, the best teacher who ever lived, the, the, the smartest person, you know what I mean? The best person who ever lived. And I believe he's the son of God and the Messiah and, and you know, all, all that he is. If he says, this is the most important thing, then I better make sure I get this thing right. Like, like if he really, what he's saying is that if you get this thing, right, everything else kind of fits in, into place. And so, and I'm really big on that. Like, I don't want to optimize around the edges. I want to get the, like, I want to get the most important things right. So I'm like, man, I want to grow in this area. And so I wrote the book because I'm like, oh, every moment of my life, God is inviting me to, to live and love upward, inward, and outward. And I just need to make sure that I understand what that is, how to do that, so that each day I could find myself growing 
And as we move through the world and as the world becomes more complicated and, and complex and there's- Which it will. Which it <laughs> always, I mean, it was not one of the laws of thermodynamics. Everything moves from <laughs> order to disorder. So it's like, man, thermodynamics, even though I don't even know what thermodynamics is, I just know that that one's in yeah. there. You I know, can't every- spell it, but yeah, I know you're right. <laughs> what you're saying is correct. Everything's atrophying. And so as that happens, how can I move through it as not part of the problem, but maybe Lord willing, part of the solution. And how can we reboot if we become part of the solution and then find ourselves becoming part of the problem again, which happens to me sometimes. Yeah. And, and a lot of times it's, you know, it's not about learning something new. It's about remembering what you've already known. Like, like I always like as a pastor, I always tell people like, my job isn't really to tell you something new. If, if you believe in Jesus and the spirit of God is in you, you actually already know this. My job is just to remind you of something that maybe you haven't thought about in a while, or maybe something hasn't really come to the surface for you yet, but it's all in there. But uh, that those reminders, and I and I, I love that two thousand years ago. I mean, and don't miss the fact Jesus in those two, those greatest commandments, the two of them. One's from the book of Deuteronomy, and one's from the book of Leviticus. So Jesus actually two thousand years ago quoted inspired scripture from fifteen hundred years before that. So this wisdom is thirty five hundred years old, and right now was like, yes, we need this right now. Of course right. we do. Yeah, we're always going to need it. And I think, you know, there's nothing that a person can say or do that takes away the value that God created them and and loves them. And I think that is something that is so hard as human beings because there are things that people do that are horrific and they say people say things that are insane, but it doesn't take away the value of the person. And I mean, that's why we're told to love our enemies as hard as that is. There are people who are so hard to love. I'm sorry. They are hard to love. And yet we have to do it. And we're hard to love. I'm sure there are people who think that we're really tough to love. And so we just, we got to do that and we've got to reboot it because I mean, the, the world is watching, the world is watching how the church reacts to all of this, right? And that's another piece of this. And so not to do it inauthentically, but to react the way where it's supposed to react. That's right. And, you know, if you think about that, like loving your enemies, that's only an upward, inward and outward. If, if you believe in the God who sent Jesus to die on a cross, who, who came to reconcile his enemies, because God did that, as we live upward, then we realize we were God's enemy. God proactively and preemptively loved us to reconcile us. Then when we see our enemies, people who we find very difficult and they're hard to love, because we've experienced it, now we can walk it out by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the upward drives the inward drive. Now for someone else who, if if the inward is the, is the top billing, what I want, there's no reason to love your enemy and you have no framework to love your enemy and you're not empowered to love your enemy, so you never want to. So let's just tear down my enemy, which is which is the way our culture is functioning right now. It's like whoever disagrees with me, I'm going to tear them down. You it's know, it's crazy. It's crazy town, and it can, it's it doesn't take us anywhere good. And we have to live up to the faith we claim to hold. And I love what you said though too. When you think about the grace you've been given, not just you, but me, all of us, it it refocuses us on that ability to do that for others because that's what we're called to do. That's right. Well, I listen, I know we could talk about this all day, but I know we, we want to honor the time of the folks who are, who are listening to today's podcast. And so again, on behalf of myself, Daniel Fusco, my friend, Billy Holloway, thank you for joining us on the Crazy Happy Podcast. We cannot wait to bring you more and more content, encouraging content, wanting to help us just kind of sprinkle some happiness through the, through the battlefield of the lives that we live every single day in the world that we live in. Listen, God is inviting all of us to live upward, inward and outward, and not, not just live upward, but to love him, return to him the love that he has for us. Let his love 
drive our identity, the inward, so that we can live outward into the world the way we treat people uh, with the same love in which we receive. So listen, God bless you all. Have an amazing day. We'll see you next time. Jesus is Many of us can scarce imagine what the world would look like if everyone truly focused on loving one another rather than themselves. In today's continuation of the discussion between Daniel and Billy, they reflected on just how important it is to first love God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and to then let that love move outward to those around you. Thanks for joining Pastor Daniel Fusco for the Crazy Happy Podcast. Each week, Pastor Daniel is joined by journalist and author Billy Hallowell to discuss relevant topics, interview guests, and share the hope of the gospel message. If you'd like more information about this podcast, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Be sure to subscribe so you're notified each time we post a new edition. Now, here's Josh to let you know what you'll hear next week. We truly hope this discussion has been a blessing to you and that it inspired you to return to the basics of what it means to be a believer and follower of Christ. As Pastor Daniel and Billy reminded us in their discussion, we can never go wrong by focusing on our identity in Christ and allowing that reality to shape how we love others. Remember, upward, inward, and outward is the way to truly grow. Well, that's all the time we have for this special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Today's broadcast was produced from the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco and host Billy Hallowell. Be sure to subscribe to the Crazy Happy Podcast today. And be sure to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.